friends, this is Ellen Weatherford. And Christian Weatherford. And we're here with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast, where we take your favorite species of animals and review them and rate them out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. We are not zoological experts, though we strive to provide you with information from reputable sources. Yeah, that's right. And um, and we're joined here in our little recording studio today by a couple of special guests. Um, we have our dog, Puppy, and our cat, Aki, who are not usually both in here at the same time. Yeah, hopefully this doesn't create drama, but we'll see. <laughs> Don't worry, I will expertly edit it out if they do. Or we'll just change the categorization of our podcast from nature to drama. <laughs> Hopefully everything will work out fine. <laughs> I believe that you are up first this week, darling. Yay. So the animal I'm bringing this week is the moose. Yes, I'm so excited. Scientific name, Alsace Alsace. I love a good double name. Like <laughs> a little science, like a repetitive scientific name. I yeah, love that. I just kind of defaulted to how I thought it would be pronounced in Spanish. You're probably right. <laughs> this species was submitted to us by email from Eva Nussbaum. Thank you very much, Eva. And you also sent a very delightful little message um, in response to Isaac's uh, Dumering episode. So thank Aww. you for that. Thank you for reaching out. We really appreciate stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, thank you so much. My information is coming from nationalgeographic.com as well as Animal Diversity Web, found at animaldiversity.org. So, the moose. I'm really excited. Are there like <laughs> different types of moose? They're all considered one species, um, but you could consider them different subspecies based on where they're found. So first I want to talk about how big they be. Uh-huh. They're real big. They're so big. <laughs> I've, I haven't actually seen one in person, but I've seen comparisons. Mm -hmm. So their height at the shoulder, meaning their shoulder, is from five to six and a half feet, or that's about one and a half to two meters. And that's at the shoulder. Yeah. Okay. So uh, moose on the bigger side would be towering over me like yeah. standing oh and people that don't know you in real life you're you're quite tall yeah you're on the taller side a little over six feet and they weigh up to 1800 pounds or over 800 kilograms goodness big that's huge yeah yeah so we live in the south and we don't get moose is it's moose. moose moose we don't get moose down here <laughs> um and so for the longest time the only depiction i had seen of of moose were like illustrations of them and usually or photos you know but usually they would be like in the woods yeah or something where all you see around them is trees mm -hmm. and it's easy to just figure oh well maybe that's just a small tree but until like probably just like a couple years ago i saw a video of a moose in a neighborhood like yeah. walking down the street and you see a moose next to a car yeah and you realize how much bigger it is than the car <laughs> and you're like oh no <laughs> and hold on to that thought in terms of their their relative size to a car because that comes into play oh good very good <laughs> now where they're found are boreal forests of the northern hemisphere so it's not just north america really yeah okay but in North America, they're found in Alaska, Canada, and parts of the contiguous United States that are on the border with Canada. Their range also extends further south along the Rocky Mountains into Utah and Colorado. Though the colder areas of our country and also our neighbor to the north, Canada. I know they're kind of an iconic Canadian animal. Yeah, I would say m most of them are found in Canada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
in Eurasia, the ranges from the west, from Scandinavia, Poland, and southern Czech Republic to Siberia and Russia in the east. Its southern range extends to Ukraine, northern Kazakhstan, northern China, and northern Mongolia. In Europe, they're known as Eurasian elk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but all the same species. All right. There's been some debate around that, um, but currently it's considered one species. The taxonomic family they belong to is Cervidae, or the deer family. Their notable relatives include deer, elk, and caribou. Okay. They are the largest of the deer family. I would imagine so, yes. Yeah, the deer we have around here are not that big. They're smaller than a horse, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, probably halfway between like a goat and a horse, like. It's closer to a goat, I would say. Not yeah, they're not they're not that big, <laughs> which made which is probably the frame of reference I was using when I was ima- imagining how big a moose was. Right. I'm thinking like it's probably not that much bigger than a deer, right? Mm-hmm. They are. I'm going to get into our rating system. Please do. The first category is effectiveness. So these are physical attributes that lets them do the things they do. I'm giving the moose a nine out of ten. That's pretty good. So first, their size, of course. It's impressive. Ain't nothing stepping to them. Not a fully grown one, at least. And a fully grown healthy one, I should say. Mm. Yeah, they're big. Real big. <laughs> and we don't have any predators around here that are even anywhere close to big enough to there try are. to take one down. There are, actually. Oh, shoot. I forgot about bears. <laughs> oh, I forgot that those <laughs> are Especially there. in the Alaska area. <laughs> I forgot that those are there. <laughs> um, I'll touch on predators later. Because there's a little interesting there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next thing on effectiveness I want to give is their hair insulation. Oh. So they live in very cold areas. They can actually not survive in much warmer areas. But their hair is really good for insulation because the individual hairs are 15 to 25 centimeters long or 6 to 10 inches long. And they're hollow, resulting in excellent insulation. Wow. Yeah. I bet that's probably why you don't see them like in zoos or anything like that down here. Yeah, not down here. Yeah. I think they are in zoos in the very northern parts of the country. But no, they, they would not. They would have to essentially live in a refrigerator here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor things. <laughs> My next point there is they're good swimmers. They're, and this is unexpected. Yeah. They're very big. You would think, no, they would sink like a rock. But no, you'd be wrong. They are known to swim up to 20 kilometers or 12 miles and up to nine and a half kilometers per hour or six miles per hour. Well, I think you also think it's an ungulate with hooves. Yeah. That's not exactly made for swimming. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not adapted. Although I will say the elk in Skyrim. Feel like you find them in the water seventy five percent of the time. There are really funny screenshots of people like swimming like in the middle of a lake, and you'll turn and look, and there's like an elk swimming, like, and the elk is like twenty feet underwater. Yeah, now I'm wondering if that was on purpose. Todd, let us know. Uh, you know he listens to the show. They'll dive for. 30 seconds or more. And they do that because they feed on aquatic plants at and below the water surface. Okay. Yeah. So in these colder areas, you'll often find them near bodies of water. Are they eating like seaweed and seagrass? Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. They're also fast on land. They've been clocked at a max of 56 kilometers an hour or 35 miles per hour. That's pretty good. That's some hustle. With sustained speeds of 9.6 kilometers per hour or six miles per hour. This dude's coming at you like a freight train. For real. That's a, um, it's an armored truck that's driving towards you. That's a lot of mass moving at a <laughs> solid velocity. <laughs> uh, my next point is their antlers. So they do have antlers. They are not horns. And one of the things I learned is the difference. 
So first of all, antlers are not permanent. They are meant to fall off like on a seasonal basis, whereas horns, not so much. They're meant to be permanent. Do moose antlers fall off? They do. Really? Yeah. How frequently does this happen? Every year. Really? So That's crazy because I've seen them be like super big. Yeah, yeah. They grow astonishingly fast. <laughs> wow. So this is a common thing with the deer family. So most of them all have antlers, usually the males, that will grow for the season and then fall off. So this aligns with their mating season because that's what they're primarily for, is for the males to compete with each other over females. So they'll grow in the spring and then shed in the winter. The widest antler spread recorded for the moose is 2,048 millimeters, which comes out to six and a half feet. I'm pretty sure 2,000 millimeters is just two meters. Yeah, but that's just the way the source referenced it. Huh. Interesting. How many feet was that again? Six and a half. So yeah, you're right. That's two meters. That's like if you laid down on the ground. Yeah. That's how wide the largest antlers were. I'm imagining the moose just gently scooping you up in its antlers and carrying you around. Yeah, that's my next uh, high fantasy novel. (laughs) So I kind of want to talk about how antlers grow. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. No, me neither. Uh, so they grow in like bone. They, they are made of bone. But unlike most bone, this these antlers grow up to an inch a day. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge rate of growth for That's bone. That's huge, yeah. Like to give reference, our hair, for example, grows that much in maybe a month. Just astonishing. So when they're growing in and in their early stages, they have this furry substance on them called velvet Mm. so this is actually skin Mm. (laughs) i know how you feel about velvet i hate velvet so much (laughs) i hate it so much it gives me the heebie-jeebies so it's interesting because the the velvet has blood vessels and nerves in it and that's supplying nutrients to the antlers to grow so when they're done growing the the blood vessels restrict and basically the velvet dies and then it peels off You've said a lot of gross stuff on this show, but talking about velvety skin with blood vessels in it is probably the grossest thing. (laughs) So you'll actually probably see lots of pictures of deer and moose with this velvet either, you know, living or peeling um, because that's just part of the cycle. Okay. When the velvet dies and starts peeling, the antlers aren't growing anymore. And that's when it's like hard underneath? Yeah. Yeah. So that reveals like the hard bone. All right. That was always there, but it was just covered in velvet. So now the bone is there. They use it for mating in terms of com- competition. So they'll you know ram their heads into each other, trying to gore each other with these pointy antlers. And the antlers of moose are a little bit different from maybe the deer you and I would know, because the deer have these tree branch kind of pointy antlers. Spiky. Yeah. Whereas the moose antlers are more cup. I don't know how to describe this. Uh, it's, it's like, like a- broad, like broad leaves with little it's like a bowl yeah yeah it's like bowl shaped and then the the pointy parts are just on the very edges Mm -hmm. and there there are technical terms to describe these shapes i just did not note them in my (laughs) notes unfortunately also if you used (laughs) those like scientific accurate terms i probably wouldn't know what you were talking about but anyway so yeah the mating season's over a layer of cells forms between the antler and the skull and effectively at some point, the, the antler just falls off. Huh. Yeah. Don't need that anymore. It's fine. <laughs> if you go through woods and other type of areas, you'll probably find deer antler all the time. 
because mm-hmm. um, they just fall off. Uh, I think a lot of people, if they find a deer antler, they'll think, oh, no, where's the rest of the skeleton? Yeah, <laughs> that's, not, you, that's not always the case. Sure, <laughs> sure. I wonder if, um, you know, when you go to like a pet store, you can mm. find those like elk antlers and yeah. stuff that you can give your dogs to chew on. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just like shed off of a deer or an Probably. elk or whatever. Probably. Uh, I actually came across a video of this happening, which is pretty rare to see, of a moose just kind of wandering around in the snow because mm-hmm. uh, cause they come off in the winter. Just kind of wandering around in the snow and at some point he just shakes his head and uh, just one of them just falls off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it scares him too. It's like, ah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, um, no. So they don't, they don't necessarily fall off at the same time, right? Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. So you could have one walking around with just one yeah, big old antler. And which oh. it's pretty, it's not uncommon to see that. The poor the- <laughs> thing would be so lopsided. They're heavy. It would be just walking in circles all day long because yeah. it's weighed down on one side. <laughs> so those are their antlers. I thought they were pretty neat. That is really cool. Yeah. And my final point for effectiveness is they have good sense of smell and hearing, but not as good vision. Okay. So they have good smell and hearing because the the large surface area of both the nasal cavities and their ears. So... They have this very big nose with like jowls that kind of hang (laughs) over the bottom lip, but that nose is huge and there's a bunch of surface area in those cavities to pick up particles by the smell receptors. Yeah. Likewise, their ears are big, (laughs) so (laughs) they can pick up sound and they can also move them independently of each other. Okay. You see this with a lot of prey animals, although... (laughs) What are they prey of? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some things. (laughs) But you know what? They can't see the haters. <laughs> That's their effectiveness. Moving on to the second category of ingenuity. This is smart things. Could be tool use, interesting methods, or hunting tactics. Yes. <laughs> Didn't find a whole lot here. So I'm just going to give a 6 out of 10. Sure. I just want to note that they are solitary, whereas lots of other kind of deer form groups. But with moose, they are normally solitary, except for during the mating season and when a mother has a baby. Oh. Yeah. I feel like with deer and other ungulates that do uh, stick together in large groups, they're finding strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to play a numbers game sort of because they're like, okay, well, if we're in a herd of 20 of us, like a predator is only going to be able to take on one. So yeah, like... it goes back to that. I don't need to outrun the predator. I need to outrun <laughs> most of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I think for, for other smaller prey animals, they're finding strength in that. But I don't feel like it's a priority for the moose. Yeah. The moose does not need to bulk up its numbers to, uh, <laughs> to find success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then another note for ingenuity, they have communications to find mates. So they have these, uh, vocal, like vocalizations. They're not quite as vocal as other deer and caribou and such, but they do make vocal sounds. And can I hear a little sample of that, please? I don't, I don't actually know what they sound like. Um, can I have a rendition? Just your estimated. Oh, gee, Rocky. Stop it. <laughs> Man, I walked into that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and they also use their antlers to scratch trees and leave smells for other moose to find. All right. So our final category, aesthetics, pretty self-explanatory. How mm-hmm. cute are they? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the moose, I was going to say six, but I think I'm going to bump it to a seven. They're pretty cute. They're kind of, they have a droopy face, don't they? Yeah, they do. They have pretty droopy facial features and they're also round. 
<laughs> the the facial like... features are round. They themselves are not round. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like their facial features are droopy just because they're so incredibly huge that they're just being weighed down by gravity. <laughs> the land whale. <laughs> um, and also their fur. I don't know. It looks soft. That's kind of an assumption. <laughs> I wonder if it is soft. Well, yeah. I bet it's not. Yeah, it's probably I, bristly. Yeah, it's probably like coarse and probably doesn't know. feel very great. I kind of want to touch the velvet. Really? <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Gross. I've also read that the velvet from antlers, not just moose, but deer in general, that the velvet is used in folk medicine cures type things. Okay, I could see that. Because the, I guess the idea is, you know, because of the crazy fast growth rate of the antlers they're like oh this will help me with oh sure name symptom <laughs> abc <laughs> i guess that makes sense yeah, yeah maybe they're thinking like oh it's the velvet that's making things yeah, grow quickly yeah. there are apparently athletes that swear by it too because you can get it as a supplement form how do you how is it administered do I mean, you the, eat the, it yeah they make a pill what? basically oh yeah. my gosh that's so gross <laughs> <laughs> so is is the thought process there like some sort of Kirby style? Like if I consume part of the moose, I can absorb the <laughs> moose's powers. Like, to, I will become strong and <laughs> large like moose. To me, it, it kind of sounded like the the knee jerk reaction to stem cells. Like, oh, I'll just take stem cells and shove them in here, and then just insert into body <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so those are our categories. I have some miscellaneous info for the moose. Very good. So first is their conservation status. Surprisingly, least concern. Okay. Based on the IUCN. Nothing can stop the moose. <laughs> so this is their global population. There are exceptions with some local populations in Manchuria, Mongolia, and Nova Scotia. Uh, the latter is considered endangered by Canada. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Predators. Yeah. So some of their predators include bears. Wolves, Amur tigers, or also known as Siberian tigers. Okay, yeah. See, <laughs> I had not realized that moose also live in Asia. Yes. <laughs> and so now that makes sense. <laughs> and then humans, of course, that mm -hmm. um, they actually supply a good bit to local economies and also uh, meat industries. Yeah, this is like we talked about for the hippo. Like, you take down one, mm -hmm. that is a lot of meat that yeah, you're getting yeah. from one animal. Yeah. High risk, high reward. <laughs> and now, the last one I have here listed as predator is orca whales. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, I don't, I don't recall if we mentioned this when we talked about the orca. We did. Okay, we did. That was actually why Eva had requested the moose was because oh. we talked about, because of the cool stuff we talked about <laughs> in the orca whale episode. <laughs> So as I mentioned earlier, moose are actually very strong swimmers. And in the Alaska region, where there are lots of little islands out there, the moose is known to swim between them to find food and such. Now, that region is also home to orca whales. And they ain't <laughs> nothing to mess with. Yeah. They will get you. Yeah, a moose is big, but uh, or an orca is bigger. <laughs> so <laughs> when the picking is there trying to play a size game with the orca you're gonna lose <laughs> there's a funny web comic 
that I think maybe made this more mainstream knowledge where it shows a scuba diver being surprised by a diving moose, which that is surprising in of itself, but then comes an orca that just <laughs> nabs it. <laughs> yeah. And also orcas, like when they hunt in pods, mm-hmm. you know, like they have all sorts of interesting strategies that they use and they group up and gang up on their prey together. So it's like no, no contest. Yeah. Yeah. The moose doesn't have much of a chance there. No, they're out of their element. <laughs> But also like wolves, you know, hunt in packs. So I I bet a pack of wolves could get a moose if they really had like enough numbers. What I read was wolves will primarily take advantage when a moose finds itself in too deep of snow where it can't maneuver very well. Oh, interesting. Because a wolf is much smaller. They probably wouldn't sink down as far into the snow as a moose would. Yep. So they're kind of like using the moose's size (laughs) against it. Right. And then, of course, all those predators will take advantage of a young moose. True. Go stay with mommy. Yeah. That flap of furred skin. I was wondering about that. <laughs> it's called a bell. A bell. Yes. Not a waddle, as I had assumed. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find what the purpose of it is, uh, but supposedly it's more common in males than females. So maybe it's something of an Adam's apple type deal. <laughs> Just, you know, bumped up to 10. Huh. I hadn't thought of there being a, a specific name for it. I yeah. thought it was just a waddle. Yeah. <laughs> and then my final piece of information on the moose. The name moose comes from the Algonquin language, meaning twig eater. So the Algonquins being a Native American tribe from the Quebec and Ontario regions of Canada. The name is appropriate as the majority of the moose's diet comes from trees and shrubs. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And according to Grammarly.com, The correct plural form of moose is also moose. And that's because it kept the same plural ending it had in its original language instead of adopting the normal S ending of most English plurals. And there was no change to the plural in its original language? Right. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some you'll you often hear other people try to use words like mooses or meese. Like I did like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know if you were going to leave that in or not. <laughs> well, now I have to. Otherwise, my joke won't make sense. Yeah, you're right. So that's the moose. I love it. Uh, when we were talking about like the animals we were going to do this week and we were talking about you doing the moose... I was thinking about how it's an iconic, like, Canadian animal. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you think of Canadian wildlife, you think of moose. It's, like, right there. Um, And I was thinking that what we, as a general population, ought to do is take the title Canada off of the Canada goose Mm -hmm. because it has not earned it and give it to the moose and (laughs) call it the Canada moose. And no longer call it the Canada Goose. Because the Canada Goose, they don't even go back to Canada anymore. <laughs> they live here year-round. Yeah. We cannot get rid of them. <laughs> They're now the Florida Goose. <laughs> so I don't think that they have um, deserved the right to keep Canada in their name. And I think it should be reallocated to the Canada Moose. Maybe. I don't know, though. Because now that we know they're also in different different parts of the world maybe it could be a subspecies i don't know i don't make the rules i'm not a taxonomist (laughs) oh speaking of which so earlier we had mentioned their size relative to a car there's a big problem with automobile collisions and moose oh no you're gonna wreck your car yeah it causes it actually causes a lot of damage and fatalities oh no really yeah Yeah. huh yep wow because i've heard that when you if you hit a deer with your car 
you can get some damage. That's, yeah. But, if but the deer's the one that's going to die, well, not you. That's also probably going to total your car. Yeah. But a moose, you have all that and also probably not going to walk away from it. Yeah. If you're oh, going fast enough. Man. Because that's like running into like the side of a train. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially hitting another car at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a parked car. <laughs> An armored vehicle. <laughs> Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't live in a part of the country where we get any animal that big. None of our animals are that big. Not on land, at least. No, we don't have any um, critters that are quite that large. Yeah. We have bears that are, we have black bears that mm-hmm. are like large dogs. Yeah. Like, they're not really that big. Yeah. Um, we got gators, which have the length component to them, but right. they're not that tall. Now, you will hear all sorts of stories about, you know, Car accidents involving regular deer. Interesting. This is just a buffed up deer. This is a, okay, this is the final evolution of the deer. So the deer is like probably the mid stage is like the goat is the baby Pokemon and then it evolves into a deer. And then the final evolution is the moose. (laughs) Thank you. If you want to at us, um, at Ellen. Yeah. Don't, don't drag Christian into this. I will not respond. He won't because he <laughs> never uses Twitter, so he won't probably won't even see it. Thanks, yeah, baby. No problem. Okay, babe, what do you have for us this week? So this week, I'm talking about the desert rain frog. Ah, yes, the meme frog. It is the one from the yes. <laughs> <laughs> the scientific name is Breviceps macrops. Ooh. And the species was originally submitted by Amber O'Charen. And then it was elected this week via the social media poll. So every time we were getting ready to do an episode with you and me and not with uh, an external guest, um, we always on our social media platform. So on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, we put out a poll where you guys can vote on the next animal that we do. This week, it was the desert rain frog versus the red-eyed tree frog, which put up a good fight, but um, was ultimately absolutely decimated by this grumpy little guy. (laughs) So I'm getting my information on this frog from a new website I'd never used before, Mm. but I was really excited to find. It's called amphibiaweb.com. And this is a website that is made and maintained by the University of California, Berkeley. It's a really good information source on all things amphibian. Nice. Mm -hmm. So this desert rain frog, they only get to up to about two and a half inches long or six centimeters. So they're really not that big. It's like not even your one of like, it's not even a whole finger long. Mm. Yeah. They're a little guy and they are found along this really kind of narrow strip of coastal desert along the western coast of South Africa and Namibia. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's desert around there, but the, they live in an area of the desert that's very close to the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. That's an interesting combination. There's an important reason for that. Huh. So the taxonomic family they belong to is called Brevicipitidae. And these are rain frogs. Hmm. So actually the name desert rain frog, Mm -hmm. the rain frog part 
refers to the family of frogs that they're from. Okay. So the rain frogs. There are a lot of other types of rain frogs. I didn't count how many. I'm sorry, but there's a bunch. (laughs) If you've ever seen a picture of a frog that is very round and very grumpy, it's a rain frog. That's just (laughs) what they look like. They're the round, grumpy ones. And and mostly they're found in Africa, too. So um, I'm just going to jump right into effectiveness for them, because I feel like you probably already know the frog that I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll fill you in. I'll loop you in on this sort of inside joke that we're oh, all in uh, on that that comes later though for effectiveness i give the desert rain frog a seven out of ten although i was kind of leaning towards a six hmm. um but i gave it a seven because it does have some good adaptations I mean, maybe 6.5 would be good like a, a passing grade but like a barely passing grade <laughs> <laughs> So you're probably wondering how frogs, which are known to need a lot of moisture and wetness to survive, Mm -hmm. how can that survive in a desert, right? Yeah. You'd be surprised to know that there's actually a lot of frogs that live in the desert. Yeah. So this particular rain frog lives in that area I was talking about, which is close enough to the coast that what happens is fog from the ocean makes it that far inland that the fog and the mist that rolls in actually makes it to the dunes where they live. Oh. Yeah. So the frog is then able to actually absorb the water from the fog through its skin. Huh frogs do this this is a normal thing for frogs is that they like breathe and absorb things through their skin so they don't actually have to drink water with their mouth okay which is good because there's no standing water where they live it's a desert is this also the same area where there's that beetle that like collects like it it lets the fog condense on its back and then it like drips down to its mouth or something i've never heard of this in my life but i I mean that sounds really cool (laughs) (laughs) But so, yeah, so they live in this area where where there's enough fog that they have enough moisture that they Mm -hmm. can survive because they're not they don't have to drink it with their mouth. They just suck it up through their skin. Since there isn't much or hardly any standing water available where this frog lives, it reproduces via direct development, which is something we've talked about before. This is something you see in not not like most necessarily, but some species of frogs where the egg hatches essentially fully developed mm-hmm. rather than hatching into a tadpole and the tadpole over time grows into a frog. Right. They're born with like all the parts that they need to be a normal frog. Hmm. They, they don't have to like swim around in water and be a tadpole. They just hatch ready to go. Okay. Yeah. The next thing for effectiveness is their body shape is, was described by this very academic and very scientific website with my new favorite word. Globos, <laughs> meaning spherical. Globos, like a globe. Yeah. This frog is round. <laughs> this is a round boy. So it looks like a ball. It, mm-hmm. It's completely round. And its little legs are so tiny. It <laughs> has tiny little legs and tiny little feet. They're too small for it to hop. Oh, it cannot hop. The one thing. I know the thing frogs do. <laughs> You ask you ask any child in the universe, like, hey, what do frogs do? They hop. <laughs> now, are they like this all the time? I guess I because th- I guess I thought they only puff up for I don't know. No, that's what they that's what they look like. Okay, they're not puffed up. Well, I would be <laughs> angry too. 
<laughs> That's just what they look like. <laughs> Can't they're just, do nothing. <laughs> they're just round. <laughs> so they're, as you can imagine, they are not very agile at all, and they move around only by just walking around on the sand. They cannot hop. This poor thing. I know. They're so slow. <laughs> they just kind of like waddle <laughs> with their tiny legs. Huh. So its only real tool for like evading predators is its camouflage. So their body is, it's like tan colored. It's like a light tan color. Mm-hmm. And it ha- its skin is bumpy with these splotchy brown and gray marks all over it. So it actually does blend in with the sand around it. So it's, it can be kind of difficult to see. And since their skin is also like kind of wet, the sand tends to stick to it. So they're actually kind of covered in sand. Okay. So it makes them blend in pretty well. Why, That's really it though. Why are they round though? Hey there, it's me, post-recording Ellen. While editing this episode, I happened upon a Tumblr post by herpetologist Dr. Mark D. Schertz, where he actually answered this exact question, why are rain frogs so round? Uh, He gave a very thorough response about rain frog anatomy that, for the sake of brevity, I will summarize as follows. The rain frog's body is actually mostly muscle, so... Why are these little squeaky guys so incredibly swole? The answer being to be very good at digging, which is very important to them. If you're interested in hearing more cool stuff from Dr. Schertz, please check out his herpetology podcast, Squamates. And now back to the episode. You know, one one thing that made me think of was that one episode of Futurama where there, there's that there's like those two creatures that are constantly evolving to outdo each other. There was this one where the frog one could blow up to where like the snake couldn't swallow it. <laughs> oh man, that's good. So another thing I wanted to mention is that they have horizontal slit pupils. Okay. Kind of like the ones you see on a goat, but their their pupils are more narrow sure. than those of a goat. But still they have the they're the straight across slit shaped pupil. Okay. So there are not really any like total surefire explanations for why animals have pupils shaped like this, but one possible one that could apply to this frog for why their pupils are shaped like this is predator evasion or mm. predator detection. So with a wider pupil, what you end up with is less detail. So it's it's not as sharp, but a much wider range of view. So you can see things from a much wider angle around you. So if you see something moving, it's easier for you to detect that. Hmm. Like if you see something moving behind you or like off to an angle, like you can see more things around you. So it's good for a prey animal to be able to see wider angles. Sure. That's a thought about why they're shaped like that. Hmm. And that's something that would apply to both goats and this frog. Yeah. Although I was thinking about that and I was like, even if they could see the predator... (laughs) They could not hop away. <laughs> they would not have very many options. They don't have a lot of tools in their belt for <laughs> evading a predator. Although I, I would imagine that like, since they, they can't move very fast, they would probably just stay still, right? Yeah. Because they got camouflage. So hmm. just a thought. The last thing for effectiveness is that they have webbed toes. Their their toes have like a thick, fleshy webbing. Okay. So this is something you see a lot with aquatic animals that like use it for moving through the water. But for this frog, it is for, first of all, helping them gain traction on the sand so that they can move through the sand. It's kind of like a paddle. But what the webbed feet are particularly good for is for digging. 
Oh. So digging into the sand is really important for them because they stay burrowed under the ground during the daytime oh, when the sun is out. Okay. Yeah. So that actually brings me to ingenuity. Well, the next section, I give them a five out of ten. Sure. It's just a frog, y'all. It's, it's just a frog. <laughs> so um, they, like I just mentioned, they dig burrows in the sand and that's where they spend all day long. They only come out at night and they tend to be more active on more foggy, humid nights. So they'll come out when, when conditions are right for them. And that's when they come out to like hunt for bugs, eat stuff, mm -hmm. you know, maybe look for a mate if that's what they're doing right then. But uh, they spend the rest of their time just completely bur burrowed in the ground. So you're not going to see them. I just had the funniest image of them mating. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to move on from that. So the next thing for ingenuity and kind of the only other thing I have for ingenuity is the thing that I think people probably want to hear me talk about when it feels threatened. <laughs> a desert rain frog makes a particular sound that it has become famous for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't ribbit. It doesn't croak. It doesn't do any of the other normal frog sounds. It scream. <laughs> And its scream sounds like a squeaky toy. Yeah. It's what it sounds like. It's a very high-pitched squeaking sound. So this was famously captured by nature photographer Dean Boshoff, who posted a video of it to YouTube in 2013 that, at the time of this recording, has been viewed 18 million times. Ooh. And that's just the original video. Yeah. You know, it's been, like, re-uploaded a hundred billion times mm -hmm. but um yeah the original video has 18 million views so a lot of people have heard this little frog <laughs> when he's so mad too he just <laughs> he got his little grumpy face and he's like jumping around like he's trying to act tough like he's really trying to act like yeah. hard and he, it's he's making the little kind of sound. <laughs> oh, look at him <laughs> our cat looked at me really funny when i did that he did not care for that yeah so I'll probably drop some audio from that video in yes. right, right about here. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so this is something that they do when they're agitated. Mm -hmm. But why? <laughs> like, I, I was like, is it supposed to be intimidating? Because if so, it's not working. It's their last, uh, last resort. Yeah, it's really a last-ditch effort. But I'm just like, why does it sound like that? That is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's really delightful little sound. Aww. I mean, it's like something, I guess. Like, if they're being harassed by, like, something that could eat them, maybe it's, like, startling enough. It makes a sound <laughs> like that. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And then maybe it drops the frog. And I don't know. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> can't exactly <laughs> run for it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, poor thing. And finally, this brings me to aesthetics for the desert rain frog. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of people think that, that it's very cute because it has huge eyes. Like, it has these giant eyes that are, like, bulging out of its head, which is, like, not my vibe. But I, they, they got a grumpy face. They got a, a globose body <laughs> and just tiny, tiny little ridiculous looking arms. I think it looks like if Jabba the Hutt had a tiny angry baby. <laughs> That's what I think it looks like. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're that cute. They're kind of kind of weird looking. I want to see them navigate a steep hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> 
Yeah. So this brings me to miscellaneous information for the desert rain frog. Their conservation status is near threatened. Hmm. So the area where this frog lives has historically been the site of a lot of mining, um, particularly copper and, and diamond. Diamond is a big one. Lots hmm. of diamond mines in the area where this frog lives. So they did lose a lot of viable habitat to human encroachment and then pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, so like not only was the land being used, but then like the runoff and all of the sort of byproduct then polluted the land around it. So by now, according to the IUCN, where I got this conservation information, a lot of that actual mining activity has stopped, but the land hasn't been restored. Hmm. So like they stopped mining, they stopped actively using it, but then just kind of left and like didn't do anything with hmm. the land that was there. I've, I've I poked around to see and I saw some like organizations saying that they were working on rehabilitating the land and and fixing it up and and restoring it to like the wilderness that it was but that's a big job sure so um yeah they and and since they have such a very narrow range with like very specific criteria that they need to live in you know like it has to be a sandy desert area but it also has to be close enough to the shore to get that fog rolling in um, they don't have a lot of room to be losing land. They have such specific requirements for the land that they need to live in. So um, that's where the desert rain frog is at right now. It has lost numbers historically. They think it's it's near threatened now. So just kind of keep an eye on it, see how things are going for the rain frog. Gotcha. But yeah, it's a, it's a cute little, it makes a cute sound at least. So... <laughs> You know, I'm sure if I saw one in person, I would feel maybe differently about it because of how teeny they probably are. <laughs> but do you think if they just kind of like lightly poke them? Yeah, I think they would probably freak out. I don't the, think they like for you to do that. Well, it, it kind of adds on to that squeaky toy comparison. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I should mention that if for whatever reason you ever do come across one of these frogs or even something similar that is like making a funny sound because you're messing with it. Like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't just mess with an animal because it's doing something that you find enjoyable. Like, just because it amuses you to mess with an animal, don't do that. Right. Leave it alone. It's not worth it. But, yeah, this one frog makes a really funny sound when you make it mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> well, thanks, honey. You're welcome. Well, that is all the time that we have this week. So thank you, everybody that's been tuning in. We hope you're all doing well during these strange times. But um, we really appreciate you spending this time with us. You can come hang out with us virtually on Facebook in our really awesome and cool Facebook group. We're also on Twitter and we're on Instagram, so you can hang out with us there too. If you have an animal species that you want to hear us review, you can either hit us up on social media and let us know and we'll, you know, we'll add you to our list. You can also email us. Oh, my email address is ellen at justthezooofus.com. So get those requests to us and stay tuned and you might hear us shout out if we talk about your animal. <laughs> um, and our final note before we close is we'd like to thank Louis Zong for allowing us to use his song Adventuring off of his album B-Sides. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for listening. The thing you do as a listener. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Thanks. I'm a professional. No, I'm talking to a listener. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> listener, you're doing a great job. 
I'm so desperate for <laughs> you, but you you too are I'm so are desperate doing... for affirmation. <laughs> but I was like, yes, me. I'm doing great. You are also doing a great job. Thank you. I would like to thank Puppy and Aki for not causing any problems that whole time. I know, it's very strange. Special shout out. All right, I jinxed it. We gotta go before they start <laughs> acting up. Bye. Bye y'all.